objectively design would be the rendering of intent, like intention made real. There's this leaning towards the financial gifts of benefits of being in tech as a developer or as a designer. And so many of what it means to be a designer is seen through that lens. Hey guys, welcome to Conversations with Mujay Masa. What is design? What is design like in Nigeria? What's the importance of focusing on your craft and skill as opposed to focusing just on the finance or the financial aspect of being a designer? How do companies contribute towards the talent pipeline to get great designers in the organizations to build amazing products? These are the things I'll be discussing with my friend today, Abstract Onion, also known as Caleb. He's one of the best designers I've had the opportunity to work with in the country so far. And he's also the leader at um, Ashakuteri, my favorite design community in Africa right now. So listen in and let's have some fun. Hey everyone, it's Mudia. Uh, welcome to Conversations with Mudia Maswe. Today I'll be hosting Caleb, aka Abstract Onion. Um, he's a great designer, one of the best in the country. Well, one of the best I've met in Africa, if I do say so myself. Um, right now, we'll be talking about um, design hiring is broken, right? So first off, we believe that hiring in general for the tech space is broken in Nigeria. But I mean, we are designers. Uh, it makes more sense for us to talk about our field. Um, we'll be looking at things today, talking about design education in Nigeria. Where do designers come from? Hiring and firing. Um, talking about brain drain and the Nigeria economic climate and what this means to Nigerian employees. Um, so, um, hey, Caleb, welcome. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, happy to be here. It's been a yeah. long time coming. Yeah, it has. It has. I mean, Caleb and I also um, work at Asha. I like to call it work because, I mean, for this community work, doesn't mean it doesn't work. He is the lead at Asha. I... I'm his sidekick, <laughs> his happy sidekick. Um, we get things going at Asha, which is a design community in Nigeria. Um, the aim has been basically to shape what design means in Nigeria, also to help um, designers, um, both new and older alike, um, upgrade in their talent, in their basically their talents and what they do. Also, we uh, co run a blog together called Design Culture. Um, it's pretty dope, slightly op opinionated, but we try to um, talk about design as much as we can and how uh, it affects our lives in general. It's basically targeted towards creatives in every of the design fields. Um, also, if you're hearing some noise at the background, you have to forgive me today. Um, we're having some major construction going on in Kaduna. Um, I mean, it's pretty chill to see that where you're staying is getting major upgrades and there's really no other time to record these days because of work. So um, now we've had a whole roundabout. Um, Caleb, I think we should talk yeah. stuff from the beginning. First of all, what is design um, to you or what do you think design is in the Nigerian context? Okay. That's an interesting question. And anything I say here is definitely going to be a mix of both uh, industry accepted facts as well as my opinion and spin on things. So for me, design would be, um, objectively design would be the rendering of intent, like intention made real. And, and it's, it's quite simplistic at face value, but if you dig deeper, there's a lot to take away from that sentence. And in the Nigerian context, I've seen that design is the, is the effort you put into trying to make sense of things, trying to imbue order into um, chaos, while still being, of course, while still being self-expressive, but the focus would be to balance that self-expression, the aesthetic qualities of um, design with the functionality and ethics that are expected from a designer. 
Yeah, that's that's a pretty good definition. That's a pretty detailed definition. Um, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, your your philosophy of design or uh, what your definition of design is, how does that mirror to the reality as um, a Nigerian creative? What you have seen in the design space and also in um, t- so taking into con- consideration people who create design and those who also consume or make use of design, do these philosophies today? Do they converge? Your, your philosophy and reality, does it converge? Uh, no. Not not all the time, at least. Uh, so there have been there have been a lot of, in Nigeria especially, like design is pretty new. Um, many parts of design as we know it today in modern times is, you know, very new product design, uh, at least in the digital age, is quite recent. But it's even more recent in Nigeria, and so um, it's even more recent in Nigeria. And you have to forgive the nuance. We have to also take into consideration that Nigeria is not a; uh, it's a developing country, right? Nigeria is a developing yeah. country, and the problems that plague developing con- countries, like failing economies, are very, very present in, in Nigeria. Now, if you couple that with um, the large number of people who are out of jobs and unemployment rates, as well as um, a sense, a bleak sense of what the future holds for the Nigerian young person, the Nigerian youth. Um, it's difficult to separate all of that from definitions of design or what it means to be a designer or being tech in Nigeria. And why I'm saying this is there is this uh, there's this leaning towards the financial gifts or benefits of being in tech as a developer or as a designer. And so many of what it means to be a designer is seen through that lens. It's a lot to unpack, but it's, it's something that is very, very um, apparent uh, around us today in Nigeria in the tech space. And we don't do enough to talk about this. And it has a lot of ramifications. And one of them, which is probably why we're having this conversation would be um, because you, you would look through design or a profession through the financial, through the lenses of the financial benefits or the potential of the financial benefits, we end up losing, many of us end up losing sight of um, the craft itself and how important it is and how how, how much respect we need to give for, give to that profession in order to learn and deepen our expertise in them. So we have lots of people um, taking shortcuts towards becoming a designer or becoming a senior designer or whatever you know, parts of design that you may think of. There are, there are a lot of people taking shortcuts to them, shortcuts and learning especially. Um, this, these are good points that you have um, brought, talked about. Um, now that you mentioned about, you talked about the craft of a designer, people taking shortcuts, this brings me to my next question. What do you think is the state of design education in Nigeria? What do you think about design education in Nigeria? What has it done to, um, should I say, help these problems? Or is it, is it helping? Is it improving? Because I have my own opinions on what I've seen. Um, but I also would like to hear what you what you have in mind and what you think could, I don't know, be improved or what you're impressed with. Well, I'm I'm also open to hearing your opinions, of course. And um, so, anytime I I want to say something, and I don't know if it's a good habit or a bad habit, I always end up taking time to think of every like that thing from every angle. And then passing that, passing my words or thoughts through that filter, so that <laughs> I, know I am com- <laughs> yeah, I'm communicating as much nuance as possible, right? Because at the end of the day, it's me saying something. But then, sure, I'm saying those things because of the things happening around us, and I'm interpreting them in that manner. Uh, design education in Nigeria is like we are not there yet. Uh, so remember, we are working on this state of design thing, right? And yeah. it's a survey. It's um, it's a data attempt by Charles and his team to kind of understand 
what the design profession is like in Nigeria. And a huge part of that survey centers around <coughs> design education. And so far, what we've seen from the entries is most of us are self-taught, self-taught. And while that is good to a large extent, it means that not many people end up becoming designers and even fewer people end up becoming good designers. And, and let, let me kind of break down the first part of that statement. Not many people become designers because it's difficult to teach yourself, right? There's this survivor, survivorship bias uh, mentality that is very prevalent in tech where um, the people who succeed in getting into tech downplay how hard it was to get into tech and how hard it might be for somebody else. And so they are the survivors of that gruesome process of getting into tech. And they, they kind of interpret every single effort other people may take through their experiences. Basically, it's a projection. And uh, for as many people that have gotten into tech in 2021, for example, a lot more people tried and did not get into tech. A lot more people tried to learn design, but did not get into design. I have seen my share of people who I have encouraged who have reached out to me that they wanted to get into design, provided them with the resources. And uh, maybe three months, six months down the line, they pick up something else. It's difficult to teach yourself. Even if like some people would say some things come easy to some people, but still, if, if, if it's something that is what, like a lot of what we say it's worth, then people should be encouraged and supported to get into design. And one way to do that very, very well is through a proper, a structured environment, be it a school, be it a bootcamp, be it a university. And that is why I think people, not many people end up getting into design or staying in design. Right? We don't hear stories of people who have done this design thing um, a year, six months, maybe even two years. One person I know of, three years, that person almost quit. Right, They almost quit. And if, 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 if that's just one example, and then there are so many more of that, those kinds of people. So we don't have the design education yet to get people into design. And that is the first problem. The second problem is once they've gotten into design, what are the design education practices or structures in place to get them into an intermediate level of expertise or even senior level of expertise, right? We, um, we don't, for example, we don't hire design interns in the country, um, not many, and it's not just you know design, it's development as well, but even more so design because there's more demand for developers, sadly, but it's the truth. And if, if there, there are fewer, junior developers getting hired, then of course there will be even less people, less designers or less numbers, right? Of um, designers getting hired into internships and junior roles. So it's, it's a literal pandemic. Then you kind of consider that there is a brain drain happening, right? Okay that people are leaving the country, people are looking for greener pastures, either because uh, well, the, country isn't, the country isn't where they thought it would be or isn't doing much for them because it's set up that way to not do much for the young, average, average young Nigerian, uh, talk less of other demographics. Mm -hmm. Also, um, the tech companies, there are lots of stories about tech companies not providing proper or healthy work structures or learning development structures, which is funny because um, there are very, very few companies who, who invest in the development of their staff. It's, it's, it's weird because you want them to bring in their best to work to affect your bottom line, but you're not doing anything or you're not doing much to give them the edge they need to succeed in your company. There are lots of arguments against or for doing that, and maybe it's not this call isn't, or this um, episode isn't the right place to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, these are the issues. 
these are the issues yeah, yeah I, I hear you and the the you have pointed out some things that make a lot of sense right so let's 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 take it gradually um you talked about um we already who are designers from what i from what i understand is we should have empathy for people who fell on the way and see okay why why what did this for happen how can we help to fix it or what is what is messed up in the learning process um self-learning process of design that make yeah. people quit right <clears throat> i mean it's it's interesting people can go to school for the next i don't know three to four years to read a course but we don't have such structures like that for design a year or two into design if people don't seem to making headway they fall off right which is understandable because most people want to learn a skill because um, they want to be able to provide for themselves, <clears throat> right? It's not just about learning in school for skill's sake. If I'm being realistic, right, there is the learning design or learning the craft in such a way that you pay, you respect it. Um, but because of the quote-unquote seemingly low um, barrier of entry to becoming a designer, right, I'm saying seemingly low because I'm looking at other I'm looking at other um, crafts that people go to school for engineering, medicine. I mean, to be a doctor, you don't open a few YouTube channels to do your first surgery, right? But at least you can design your first screen by opening a few YouTube channels and watching TV. Um, now, because we don't have that kind of strict um, structure in place, it makes it easy. It makes it easy for people to get into, but it also makes it people for people to fall off. Does that make sense? Like, oh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. This is easy, so why am I not getting it? You know what? Let me try something else. I know people who have tried different things. I mean, before I even got into design, you know my history. I've done. I've tried to do front end. I mean, what would be the front end back in the day? I did um, I did data science? I was only doing some ML, like well, not for production, but like I was learning ML and all of that, right? And then design came along, and it, it was just just sinking. So, but I wonder sometimes if did design click with me, or did I decide that you know what? Uh, I'm tired of jumping around, and let me just dedicate the rest of my time to this, right? There was that also. There was the whole mentality of. Um, this is my last bus stop or my, or my we die here, right? Just keep pushing at it. But also the part of me being fortunate in the sense that I was getting a lot of learning experience where I was, with the people I was with. Um, so I was in Colab and for some reason, I seemed to be the only UI designer individual who was there, right? So they were like product and projects for me to jump on and just keep practicing and applying what I was learning. Right, but now to yeah. think about it, I mean, not a lot of other people have those opportunities. I see myself as fortunate, but how do we not create pipelines? Right now, this is even learning pipeline. Before we talk about hiring pipelines, how do we create learning pipelines that, for the most bits, um, encourage people to learn? Like they serve as the form of encouragement that, oh, okay, hey, take this thing in bits and pieces so that you don't feel overwhelmed, so you don't fall off. So I'm thinking that's something, and, and we- most especially to like give yourself benefit of the doubt, like to make mistakes, right? And just to fall in love with learning because it never stops, especially in design. Yeah, true. I mean, to go back to doctor analogy, right? I started watching a few doctor series with my flatmate recently. That's one called The Good Doctor. Even the best doctors make life-threatening mistakes that actually leads to patients dying, right? So why do you think you will make mistakes as a designer? Why do you think there are times you wouldn't get it, right? I think we should encourage people to not be so hard on themselves and learn at different paces. The biggest mistake you make as a designer when learning is to look at the pace of other people and try to judge your pace by that by theirs, right? It makes no sense. People learn at different paces, even in school or in school, someone will catch on to a subject faster than you would. Same thing with design, same thing for, I don't know, programming. Right. So for me, like, you know, I really love books around stuff. Okay, I know that I need to read several books, especially in the design space, to understand some of these key concepts. So like I'm on my second grid book right now, if not third. But it's the idea is for me to have this ingrained in myself. I do not have to feel like, oh, somebody got it on one snap. I mean, that's all well and fine for the person, but I know what I what I'm trying to achieve. I know how much I want to understand it. Um no matter how long it takes, it's not like I have any other thing I'm doing apart from learning and working, right? We we should continue that. Yeah. Most people might not have that luxury, but I feel if we are that, if we keep being impatient, if we keep being hard on ourselves, then it's basically just 
us increasing the time it would take us to get to that final destination point of actually being people who are skilled enough to actually take on work and take on projects, right? Funny enough, even saying the word skilled enough to take on projects might be a little too much. You basically become proficient by actually trying, right? Take up your first project and start working. While I was talking to a friend recently, I was like, how I learned design seems weird from how I see a lot of people doing design. I learned design by designing apps end-to-end, right? So it's not I'm designing longest screen is once an app. I remember one thing we did for EcoBank one time, like it was just a challenge. EcoBank had this challenge. And I was I was going through my design files um, a few months ago. Like um, this was like twenty end of twenty eighteen, early twenty nineteen. And then I worked on an app design end to end that basically was for transferring money across borders in Nigeria, right? So I think yeah. it was cross cross wow. border. So imagine designing an app, coming up with how the app scheme should be. It wasn't even the most beautiful looking app, but the fact that I was able to sit down and think through end to end oh this app basically transfers money from one part of africa to another right all african countries go select countries go select currencies do conversions on the fly and then i was doing that i also designed the landing page i talked about the products do you get and this was just funny things actually actually also wrote the code for the landing page then, <laughs> and then I was doing but it was basically basic how i learned was basically saying hey i came from a product perspective how do you design products right the ui thing i said is just continuous practice you just keep practicing actually just fine-tuning the craft right understanding those key principles but I think people should learn in a way, I think it might it might be more rewarding if people feel like they're learning in a way where they're completing projects. Do you get what I mean? So maybe that's one thing. Maybe 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 it's a lot of knowledge seems to be siloed, right? And doesn't it doesn't look like it ties into one core objective, if you know what I mean. So creating and saying yeah. that, so what I try to do in the design class I teach in Colab is I try to say, hey, this is the project you're going to work on. And let's try see how we can tie everything into that, right? It 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 works for the most part. Um, the last cohort that um, Shego and I took, uh, they ended up working on a medical platform. Uh, it was more or less um, a platform where hospitals could manage all the HMOs that they have on them and basically also manage and their patients, right? So it was yeah. all this patient comes in, what HMO is he under, uh, what is his coverage, being able to check it quickly, stuff like that. So it's really interesting. Um, what I found interesting is I divided them to like four groups and they solved it differently, right? They saw there were different parts that they thought so there was one where or somebody was like, oh, you know what, we'll load credit on a HMO card. Is that like HMO will load the amount um, per person, right? So for every patient without that HMO, there's like a 200k buffer first before you start discussing. I know realistically yeah. that doesn't work like because HMOs will not release that kind of money, right? HMOs have their own bureaucracies, but I found it interesting that somebody was going to, was willing to actually think through the project process like that right so in my head i like okay this person took away substantial things from the class where he was able to think through the problem not just from a um quote-unquote user experience perspective right but also looking at the business perspective also looking at how does this affect the hospitals positively the business perspective was i mean that would make a lot of sense for the hospitals if there was like a repository of cash they could also they could always, always quickly reach into right for the business part of the hm for the hms themselves might not work but at least he was trying to solve the hospital's problem and it kind of made business sense and extent, right and those, those were the things that impressed me and yeah now I, this, these people, now to join what you have said, these people, how do we not take them from this their thought process, this momentum into internships and companies? Um, I know you've done some work in the past with a few bodies. Um, so I want to see maybe bring, pulling from your world of experience on how you guys solve stuff like this, moving them from learners into interns who can provide value to companies and then grow um, some experience. Yeah. Um, okay. So to answer that, I, that's a good question. So. Let me just touch on what you said about like creating, um, integrating projects into whatever learning um, offerings that these new education provide, design education providers, you know, that, that we have today. Uh, so we just concluded the Carrywise and Asha partnership, the Design Fund for Women. Uh, it's an International Women's Day uh, project, and basically. We had about 25 students, um, all women, and they, they spent 12 weeks learning to be product designers. One of the, the capstone projects, so from the start, we, already told, we told them that there was going to be a capstone project. And 
after a few weeks taking the course and learning just the critical amount of knowledge you would need to start your user, you know, your user research um, uh, methods and activities, instead of working on the capstone project. By the end of the program, like the projects that were demoed were amazing. Someone built, someone, sorry, not built, someone designed um, a group. So they were in groups. A group of three designed a crypto investing platform that not only allowed people to um, not only allowed people to invest in crypto, but also reduce the barrier to entry by providing education materials, even including an agent network that would go into the marketplace to educate market women on um, this web 3.0 financial revolution. That was amazing. Someone else, um, another group designed uh, a platform for, um, for empowerment, right? So basically, the, 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 and I'm, I should have said this earlier, the Capstone project was about solving gendered, um, solving gendered financial inequality. And at the end of the day, the, the different groups solved different parts of that problem in different ways. So there was the education high side of that problem, problem. There was financial education side of that problem. There was the accessibility part of that problem and so on and so forth. By the end of the program, they already had something in their portfolio. They already built or designed a project from like cater to different types of users all at once. And moving ahead, moving ahead from that, the, uh, sorry, what was the question again? And maybe so I, I was basically <laughs> saying, I was basically, from what you have said, I was basically saying, how do you now move them from that internship learning, to that learning program into internships, yeah. right? Like okay. into company internship, because I mean, what you just said makes it love. It was, it's pretty awesome, right? That they were able to design they have such products. They, have they, even have right port, they even have a portfolio. So they didn't just learn. They applied, they applied what they You see, they're writing, they're applying what they learned. They have a portfolio. But okay. companies okay. are hiring right. interns. So how do we move them into the internship position? So moving, moving, moving um, ahead from that is really an interesting problem because it's something that I and the education, actually education team is trying to solve right now, even with um, uh, combined efforts with CareWise. So yes, during the education program, we basically thought of almost everything. Every week, the students were encouraged to write articles on things they learned. And towards the end, towards the last um, four weeks, there were design prompts where you would design different screens, you know, get more engaged with the tool, with Figma. After they had spent the previous eight weeks basically learning about why design is important um, and the different activities, methods, and tools that could be used to, uh, to solve, in, in, to be used whether together or separately to solve any problems they make come in contact with. Now, moving them from that place into an internship is, uh, and, and I'm going to speak from my time at Semicolon, and it's something I learned while working there. So Semicolon, for context, is a company that trains software engineers and product, product managers uh, in Yaba, and basically starts from nothing, right? You do not need to know anything about software engineering. And this, they, they, they say it as software engineering, not just web development or front-end development because they go through all of that, even data science um, by learning Python and R and different databases. So you come out of there, you are expected to come out of there after 12 months, the 12 months intensive program, nine to five every single day, Mondays to Friday, right, of the weekday. Uh, you come out of the program and you already have a broad understanding and appreciation okay, of what it means to be a software engineer. You might not be a senior software engineer yet, but now you have all, you have most of the answers to make a choice for where you want to specialize in. Towards the end of that 12 months program, that specialization starts happening and people already start aligning themselves with uh, whether they want to end up being an AI engineer or a data engineer or, um, I think recently there are programs, programs have been included into the curriculum to handle um, DevOps as well and pipeline management. 
So they really start specializing by the end of the 12 months program. And it is around that period where semicolon, um, semicolon, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it shouldn't be, I mean, it's probably public knowledge, but, but semicolon makes use of its partnerships that it has accrued with relationships that have been fostered with companies like, uh, well, companies, big companies, telcos, right, and mm. banks, as what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say it <laughs> that, that, that works. That's perfect. Yeah. And then towards the end of a student's 12-month program, he's already placed in, he or she is already placed in a company, right, in a team. And they might work remotely or they might go there in person. And at that point, sometimes some of these companies actually start footing the rest of the bill that goes into, you know, being a student of semicolon while paying you a stipend, right? Before the program ends, you're already working as an intern or being placed. It's more like a placement in a bank in their software um, division and so on and so forth. So I think it's something we can make use of because it's very important that people get jobs immediately after learning or even before they finish learning um, in a program because it validates all the work they've put into learning up to that point. And we need people to be engaged, especially in the beginning phases of a career switch. So yeah, I think that's all we should do. Um, the relationships should be there. At the same time, uh, I, would, I would encourage startups and tech companies in general, or any company that has a tech division, which is any company that wants to survive in the 21st century, to actually invest in a talent pipeline this poaching game is not going to work long-term. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable <laughs> when your only bargaining chip is how much money you can put on the table. You cannot compete. How much, you cannot compete with money. The global like, market. You can, yeah, you, you, can, yes. you can't accomplish the global market right now. Exactly. And Nigerians have already, Nigerian designers, developers, whatever tech professionals have already started building themselves up to be palatable to global demand. Right, lots of people are getting remote gigs now, and it's going to 3x, 5x, 10x from there in the next couple of years. So, what are we doing to avoid that brain drain? The basically destabilizing the Nigerian startup scene. Invest in talent pipelines. If you can't handle, if you can't create a program within the company, then partner and contribute to other companies or other. Um, communities that are actually putting in that work. Like talent is not developed, you know, out of thin air. It's people management. It's people um, having faith in people and it's people development. If it's something that you can't do, it just should be something that you put your money where your mouth is when you say that you want, um, that you want the best of the best at your company. That best of the best at my company phrase, it's, it has become pretty redundant. True, true. I was yesterday. Very, very few best of the yeah. best. <laughs> very true. Yesterday I was talking to a friend. He's um, his name is Pablo. He is a data scientist. Then I was looking at the data set recently uh, that showed that um, by 2050 Nigeria would basically have a population of about 400 million estimated, right? But that's not what was interesting. What was interesting to me was what he said was our current. Uh, the current average age for Nigerians at the moment, the average Nigerian age seems to be about 18, basically, right? So let's say 18, right? For, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, if we have that average age at 18, that means we have a workforce. Like we have humans, we have people that can work. Do you get? We have people who yeah. can get a lot of stuff done. Universities are churning out graduates day in, day out who don't have jobs, right? So we can't even say there are no people in Nigeria to hire. Can we invest? And what you have said makes sense. How do we invest in people so that we can hire them, right? How do we invest in um, programs, right? I don't want to call particular programs. But what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking should happen is is also this. So, so, so before I even go that far, you said something. And I feel I don't want companies to use this as an excuse. I understand that sometimes 
or there might not be a lot of money to put into training your staff, right? But I still feel like it's a form of excuse. Now, if you are a one-year startup who hasn't raised anything and you're bootstrapping, I understand. Best you can do is, it is every quarter that you can rally 50 to 100 kids, even support these um, bodies that are teaching and training staff. Yeah, cool, do that, right? But if, I mean, if you have raised to an extent, there should be an education fund in the company. Do you get... Like, there has to be a fund that says, hey, we are educating designers. We have... Let's see, I don't know, one million naira a year spend on courses and books. It could be digital books, it could be fiscal books. We shall have one million a year as an education fund for the engineering department and the design department. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I, I yeah. do not, uh-huh. I do not, it's, a, it's supposed to be some form of benefit. Like, you want the people who you are employing to grow continuously, right? And it also kind of builds trust and kind of loyalty you get. I know that in, back in the day, people were using that to job hub bank to banks. But I believe people people are better than that right now. That, that's one number. So, but I believe that if as a company, you can show that this part of the perk you offer, right? People are willing to actually stay and apply what they are learning from you to grow your company. Because even from a business sense, it doesn't make sense to compete against global partners or even other companies with the, ex- with the exact same level of talents that you employ. So that means the level at which you employ them, they're like that for the next two years. How do you even want to compete? In terms of t- you're not, in talent, you're not competing. Yeah. Design talent, you're not competing. You're stagnating your company. That's, you're stagnating your company. There's no growth. Yes. And the people make up the company. I always say this thing, my friend, like Google is a great company, but what interests me about Google, uh, apart from what they build, is the people, the Googlers, they're the people who actually make up google do you get like when you watch videos of people who work in google and see them talk when you even meet the people working in google you realize this these are intelligent people who are always growing right and it's obvious to everyone that the company also invests in their growth so why would you actually start up not investing in the growth of people who are running your company because you're not the one you're not the one running everything yourself so it's i don't want companies using as an excuse that oh they don't have money they don't have time or they can't set up i don't know find somebody to hire who manage that there should be some form of education fund that you do like oh you know what i want to learn how to do xyz you take a course on it i want to improve on this take a course on it because you're not employing people with all the knowledge in the world are you so no i don't know and and yeah and I, I, I once i had a podcast episode with charles cd a few um weeks back i was just something we spoke about which was on there's a trending topic the other day of people working multiple jobs and people were and I, I mean we could see people who were not happy about it and for i mean it's not like they don't have good reasons there are good reasons why um a I don't know, he found that I wouldn't be happy with his um, staff working multiple jobs. There are also good reasons why the staff wants to work multiple jobs, right? I'm not, I'm not, I really, I really don't, I'm choosing sides on this. But what one thing I wanted to know was what exactly are you doing as a company that will make people actually want to say, you know what, I'm willing to risk it all just on you because I see growth here, right? And also, what are the realistic conversations you're having with your staff as to why they are doing what they are doing? Do you get? Do you get what I'm trying to yeah. say? I mean, um, on, on we, Twitter, we, I think I, I remember think, on Twitter, I think, like okay. the, the rhetoric from like the founder camp, if if I may, if I may label, if I may label it that way, like mm-hmm. it was pretty violent towards the employees. Like, yep, it's one thing to say they weren't understanding, but they were actually like saying things that were violent towards people, like fire you. You know, it's 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 this, it's that, and uh, and I found and I found it and I found it alarming, right? And this ties back to what my friend said. That they said you can, he said if you cannot, he said his words were, if you cannot outcompete on price, maybe I will put as a snippet here. His words were this: if you not if you cannot outcompete on price, at least outcompete on humanity. Do you get like where is the humanity of the company? If you cannot compete on price or compete on humanity, there was this to an extent it felt like there was no humanity. It felt like a very um I saw one was like, oh, if anybody shares this ideology, you don't hire such people. I'm like, you're not even having conversations around why this is happening. You're already basically 
train fire you're already firing people who do, who you have never employed do you got what I'm trying to say how do how do you, how do how do people feel even feel safe working there because i mean there has to be a particular kind of mental mental fortitude or like mental state you are, you are at where you can actually create good work right but how can a place where you are looking behind your back at every given instance it makes no sense and then try to be more engaging with people as to why they have these problems so for example you i know i live in cardinal right so it's low income but when i was earning let's say 100k right I realized I had more disposable income than people in 100k in Lagos, right? And I was working remotely, and these people were going to work. So at the end of the day, I was actually, quote unquote, paid more than they were, right? Does yeah. that make sense? Because that makes sense, yeah. You're in Lagos, so and then you see this person who's working in Lagos now picks up a second job or a third job, and I'm wondering why. But you're not realizing that hey, he lives in XYZ location. Your company didn't even provide relocation fund, right? So basically, maybe eighty percent or ninety percent of his money goes into feeding and transportation. Do you get? And then maybe because I mean that can even cover good accommodation. Maybe staying, we living with an aunt or an uncle. So have conversations as to why things are happening. Ask how you can help improve things. Right? I'm seeing companies right now even allowing your work <laughs> double time. Forget what you're seeing on Twitter. Companies are not really are basically happy as long as you're actually doing good work and delivering. Right? Companies are happy to retain yeah. the talents. There are people who are working multiple jobs, and the companies know, and they are doing good work. You have to I've be heard stories. You have to, yeah. you have to be. I mean, you, have to, you have to be realistic about these things, right? Talent is hard to come by. Yeah. I mean, people are not people are not investing in juniors. People are not hiring interns. People are not investing in education for designers or developers. And where now, talent come and, from? Yes, where do designers come from? Are they going to fall from the sky? They're not going to fall from the sky. So there's this compromise everywhere right now, and I, I just I just feel. Someone so, said they, they will hire from India. I mean, let's 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 not bring up that story, but <laughs> we know we know how that has been in the past. <laughs> you know how that has been in the past, hiring from that part of yeah. the world. It's 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 not the best experience for most of us here, man. I mean, I personally know someone who worked with at least two different Indian companies or something, and at the end of the day, look at him and said, I mean, you could have hired from here in Cardinal, was hired from Nigeria. It would have been easier on your pocket and on your mental health, right? And I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how much culture af- affects development uh, in terms of software development. But they, have, there are particular complaints, repetitive complaints I hear for people who develop on that part of the world, which is funny because I also know really amazing developers from that part of the world. So it's either Nigerians are basically contracting um, shady agencies or something, you know. So at the end of the day, it's, you it's, go there. It's, it's a market. It's a market. A market. True, it, true. There will always be like low-level crafts people and high-level crafts people you just that's, have to pay it. the required amount of money so so, so, I, th- so, I, so i think um, i think that's the problem i think i'm thinking they're going to india and, and instead of also going to pay for high quality they're still trying to cut corners right and then they still get they get so it's what it's, it's what they pay it's what they pay for that they get and i'm, I'm yes. and, and this is funny like the low quality quote-unquote low quality amount you paid for in india so i mean one example is when i knew someone spent about ten thousand dollars on a particular project right i'm like this thank you dollars you spent on these Indians, look how they gave you. You know that if you had spent this money here in Nigeria, you would have gotten something higher in quality, but in design in terms of design and development. Do you understand? So why would you yes. give an agency that doesn't have the talent pool that you even have here? But people feel like people feel odd to pay Nigerians pretty good wages, right? Because of like, I mean like pretty good wages is the like key there. Like oh, nobody's yeah. saying extravagant wages, nobody's like pretty all. good pretty worthwhile, good make my time worthwhile wages because see, trust me for everybody i know who works multiple jobs nobody really enjoys that it's not the best feeling we want work-life balance like people want to be paid well enough to say hey when i'm done with work i want to sleep rest chill with my girlfriend chill with my friends go and drink you understand like watch a movie yeah. but every time every time we're out well taking time management courses so that we can divide our time between two jobs so you can deliver a hundred yeah and deliver a hundred there and then i mean what now happens is your health is getting fucked up but you know <laughs> we'll pay for therapy for that like at least we earn enough to go for therapy but we're basically living our life around work time management is getting better but so we can actually work more and earn more and not even live a better life not to like, live life yeah. like what's, what's the quality of life like we're not take we're not take breaks it's like oh we're taking a holiday so we could see the sun i took i took a i took a short um should i say health or sick leave one time one week right where i had to recover and it was just like oh so i could just be in my bed and lie down and sleep and come out actually take a walk and see the sun and i'm like a lot of my time is spent working right i mean burnout is imminent 
you understand? Um, well, so one more thing that I would like us to talk about is how do you think? I think I think we've covered it. I was about to ask you how do you think we mitigate brain drain and the Nigerian economic climate, right? But I think you've answered that already. Invest in yeah, education. Yeah, okay. Rest yeah, education. education. And we can't really, like, if people want to leave, like, it's not, it's above our pay grade to fix Nigeria's problems. <laughs> like, true, true. at that scale, we can try community level, we can do it long term, but this is a short term problem. Like, people are leaving, nobody's planning to leave in 10 years. Like, people are planning to leave right now, like, in the next six yep. months, three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's crazy. So, we need a we need a long term solution for that. We can't stop them from leaving, but we can get more people into tech. There is an abundance, and maybe not infinite abundance, but it's a lot of people who, like young people, who are looking for the opportunity to become designers, to become developers. We need to reach out to them. Even people that may not be actively thinking of becoming designers and developers or project managers or working in tech, right? they just haven't realized that maybe that is the option for them, but they have run out of other options on, you know, typically in day-to-day life. They, they like, and I maybe use myself as an example, right? I, I, I became a designer or I got interested in tech because I just didn't like staying at home, right? And I remember then we didn't have a computer at home and we'd always been promised that we'd get a computer, but we didn't. So what I did was I would go to the cyber cafe and um, the guy in charge there was uh, was close to my dad. So he would give me free tickets of 15 to 10, 30 minutes and I would get time to, you know, with the computer. And that was how I got comfortable using a computer. There are lots of people like that, even people that haven't even made the leap to be visiting cyber cafes or asking their friends for, for laptops. Now that cyber cafes are really um, not part of the Nigerian culture as they used to be. But yeah, we need, we need to get more people into tech. That, is, that should be the focus of whatever ecosystem leaders we have right now. And the talent, the talent sure, issue sure. is very deep. Like if you think the talent issue is deep with developers, it's worse with designers. It's worse with designers. Like at Semicolon, like I, I, I looked, I was face to face with the talent problem. Like in, back in 2019, this is two years later and things haven't um, gotten better. Yes, there are more people becoming, you know, getting into the, in, in, in getting into the, the act or the business of providing design or development or engineering um, education to people at a fee or for free. Uh, we need more of that. We need more of that. And we let's let us just stop the posing. Like let's just stop the posing because soon the emperors will have no clothes. I don't know how, how much more to say this because the problem <laughs> is really, really deep. It's very, very uh... bad. I it's 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 I've been seeing it recently and it's crazy and I'm like I want to I just wanted to tell them like I hear more about the money than about the impact that you have to offer right it's more about how much quote unquote person is making from this and not how much impact they are bringing into the bringing into the ecosystem do you understand I I'm very wary about people who talk more about money than about crafts right like they're talking about how they're making money from the craft but i'm talking about the craft and how to improve it it's and now they are trying to become thought leaders and trying to act like educators quote-unquote because they're not even educators it just seems like they're trying to make a book and it pisses me off because i mean this is a field that's very dear to me right make you if you're even making a book let it be worth it i i saw stuff recently online for for design education and this education is in heavy quotes and i'm like the person who is doing this design education for a fee seems like the person needs design education themselves do you get learn learn to an extent it's different if we're even teaching and say oh this is what i know i want to teach you guys let's learn together then when you don't seem to have the very basics of what design is about and now you're creating design materials and education materials which actually leading people astray oh. because these are not even good for these are not good foundations right if you were if it was even that oh you understood the very on you have some basics and you understood them well and then you were teaching these basics i understand but you are not basically giving people shaky foundations to learn and that line that's going to affect everybody 
go to yeah. affect people hiring. Like it's, it's it's tiresome. If people themselves that are learning right now, like having to build on that shaky foundation, and maybe mm-hmm. five years later they realize that oh, they didn't learn typography well enough at least to understand like basic principles that they would have yep. to go back to learn typography and that is if they have the self-awareness to detect that that is a problem by the, problem yes, by the way. So, sometimes it might not even be self-awareness it might be somebody not have to point it out and say oh Mo, how are you calling yourself xyz when basic typography you don't know right or how do you even get here without any basic typography or how don't you know basic typography stuff like that um i don't know sure let's and then, um, keep then the, hubris, the hubris you've accumulated you know throughout those five years to kind of stop you from <laughs> accepting that advice. True, you know, true. It's, it's, at that point, you need to choose to go back to learn kindergarten level stuff. But it's important. It's, you have like a lot more years ahead of you. And, and yes, I, while I say that more people should get into you know, tech, more people should get into design, um, I really mean that there should be more of a structured and concerted approach to it. It's mm-hmm. not that anybody can just become a design education provider without actually understanding their stuff. And mm-hmm. then you're still learning, you're still trying to process it. And of course, we are all still learning, but there's a, there's a critical point where you can start teaching people as long as you don't teach people things that you do not know. And uh, as I companies like Semicolon and Andela back in the day, maybe not now, but back in the day, um, really they are doing like very, very important things and they've done really, really important things for the ecosystem. And uh, we need to do more of that for designers. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you very much, um, Caleb. I really enjoyed this uh, session. I enjoyed that you were able to take out time from your busy schedule. Uh, I'll let you know when this is out <laughs> thank you so much um, have a wonderful day take care of yourself man take care awesome. oh great you made it this far thanks for tuning in um, you can follow Caleb on Twitter and on Instagram at Abstract Onion on my next episode I'll be talking to Charles the CD I'll be talking about why creatives work multiple jobs or why people say they need to work multiple gigs in the creative industry. Take care of yourself. See you next time.